Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash something new. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome and thank you for joining Something New, a musical theater podcast, where I, Joel B. New, invite an exceedingly talented friend over to my new favorite place, the beautiful True Voice Studios NYC at Columbus Circle. We chat a bit, and then we learn and record a song from one of my latest projects, which we end up premiering right here for your listening pleasure. Today's guest artist is a performer who has been seen on stages all over the country, most recently as a seven-foot-tall peacock in The Jungle Book at the Goodman and Huntington Theaters, and on Broadway in the shows Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown and Chicago. In NYC, she was also seen as the whore in the transport group's revival of Hello Again, with her family at 54 Below, and in her own solo show at Joe's Pub. She is also a renegade occasional stylist. When not doing any of those other things, she co-created and co-hosts a Broadway-themed podcast called The Ensemblist with her partner, Mo Brady, which turns Broadway inside out. Obviously, I'm talking about Nika Graf Lanzaroni. Nika Graf Lanzaroni, thanks for being on my show. Oh my god, hi, thanks for having me. I'm so glad it's finally worked out. I know, I know, we did it. We, we did, did it. it. <laughs> uh, so, so how meta is this, that you're on a podcast talking about your podcast? It's the most meta, but also yeah. the greatest, because I feel like musical theater podcasts, there's there's so few. It's true. We need to, like, and we are, band we are together. And the iTunes universe support each other i i totally agree which is why you're here how are you doing i'm okay (laughs) you're okay (laughs) um so so i want to talk real fast about um the royal family of of, of the graphs um so we've got we've got nika obviously and we have eileen graph randy graph and todd graph so so tell me briefly what what is this family that you come from um it's just a, it, we're sort of just a bunch of crazy theater people. It's really, I mean, there's more than that. There's my yeah. cousin Laurie, who's a yeah. best-selling author and was also in Grease on Broadway and a bunch of other shows. What? And yeah, there's, we're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we are legion. No. Um, it's a really nice family. We like hanging out, and we'd, we'd never performed together at all until this 54 Below show. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of crazy and super fun, too, but... I mean, it's just my family. I don't know if there's anything, like... The greatest thing about them is that they they understand what it is that I do, because we all do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and what know. you And what you do do is you you are a, a an ensemblist. Would that be... Would, would, you, would you choose that word to describe yourself as well? Um... 
Some and t- most tell, of them. Let's tell people yeah. who everyone, first of all, you should be listening to The Ensemblist. Please listen to The Ensemblist. <laughs> and um, also brought to you by Audible.com. <laughs> and hopefully some others. Some others. <laughs> fingers, putting yeah. together one sheet. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so what is an ensemblist? An ensemblist is somebody who, uh, for the purposes of our show, is in the ensemble of a Broadway musical or has been in the ensemble of a Broadway musical. It's sort of, it's a little bit, it's like a gypsy, mm-hmm. but... Um, we feel like that word has sort of been commandeered or taken, and mm-hmm. an ensemblist feels sort of more scientific. Did you guys make up that word? I don't think so. Mo, it was Mo had the idea already before. Uh, Mo had the name already before I. Yeah, where did the um, um, where did the seed of the idea come from? The seed of the idea came from Mo. He had done like a beta version while he was in Adam's Family, and he was mm-hmm. sort of. You know, he was playing around with what what is he what do you do now with all of your free time while you're, you know, in the ensemble of your Broadway show and you're up and you're running and there's not a ton of rehearsal and there's not a ton of other stuff. So he did this beta version of this of this podcast where he had one person on at a time, sort of like a gypsy of the month kind of thing. Cool. And <coughs> he listened back to it and found that it didn't really work the way that he had wanted it to. So we sort of tabled it for a year or so. Mm-hmm. And then he and I met sort of in passing at a holiday party. And then we kept running into each other socially or at Broadway Cares events because his day job is at Broadway Cares. And um, and then we started following each other on Twitter. And he noticed that I tweeted a lot of really nerdy things. And we, <laughs> we tended to sort of tweet the same kinds of nerdy things. We're both obsessively early people, and we both listen to a lot of podcasts. And one day he direct messaged me and said, I have an idea. Can we have lunch? And I said, of course. And it was just sort of, it sprung fully formed from our brains then. The the ideas just... That one lunch. That one lunch. The, the ideas just kept flowing, and we were both like, great, this is what it should be, and we should really, like, do this, and here's what the thing should be. And we wanted to base it on more of a like a scientific or like a research-based podcast. Yeah. We, we go off of more 99% invisible or like radio lab mm-hmm. rather than like a sitting and talking kind of yeah. podcast because yeah. we have three guests on per episode and we ask them all the same questions and then we curate what they say and add narration and music and all that kind of stuff. I love really it. Fun. I've listened to every episode. Have you? I have. I'm a big fan. I, I love the ensembles because it gives me... Uh, as a composer lyricist, um, an insight into a side of musical theater that I don't really get experience in firsthand. I mean, you know, I I went to undergrad as a performance major and uh, then discovered uh, my deeper passion for writing. And so it's 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 a really cool experience for me to hear and be like, oh wow, no kidding, that's. <laughs> I really had the thought, oh, that's what EPA stands for. Like, you know, you've, you've taught me, like, little little silly, wonderful things. And I've, um, my entire life, I've been a big fan of, like, behind-the-scenes specials and featurettes. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I just really, really, really like this podcast. That's, thank you. You're it's welcome. fun to sort of see how the sausage is made a little bit. Especially yeah. when things that seem so ordinary and day-to-day to us, because we're living it day-to-day, yeah are mind-boggling that, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So there's a person who has to know what every other person on stage does mm-hmm. and might not know until minutes before the show starts that they're going to do one of those 12 things that they know how to do. Like, that's mind-blowing to a lot of people. No, so, it is insane. You know, we hope that... We hope that we have a Google Doc that's miles long of I'm, episode ideas, and we're oh, going to start... Sure. I'm so excited. Well, how long has it been running? We just put out our 17th episode. 
uh, this past Monday. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. That's a lot of information. A lot. We do them every two weeks. Mm-hmm. We started when I, we had the idea, and then we, then I left to do Jungle Book. So we did the first, like, ten episodes long yeah. distance with all the interviews and yeah. the Skyping and the things. And and now we've, now we're finding a sort of new rhythm now that we're back together in yeah, the same yeah. place at the same time, actually talking to people in a room and not on a computer. Yeah. Um, and that's really cool and interesting to see how it's evolving. And Do you think ensemblists are more talented than principal actors? I've, I don't know if talented is the right word. Like, do you think they work for, harder like, or just, or they work differently? I think it's, I think it's a different way uh-huh. of working because an ensemblist might have to do a hundred times the things that somebody carrying a show has to do, but the name above the title is still going to be the kind of, there are still people who will exchange tickets when it's not their star who's on. So I think it's a symbiotic relationship Hmm. that they, it's hard for one to function without the other, especially in like a big musical situation like that. Um, Ensembles definitely have to do more, uh, more things more and different kinds of things and sometimes all at the same time and I think half and have to make it look completely effortless which is a lot of times why the work I think gets not very much the unsung heroes they're totally the unsung heroes and then there are unsung heroes within that subset of people that is an unsung hero um, like swings and dance captains yeah. and, and that and people who work um, as associates and who have to sort of bridge that line between company member and authority figure and figure out that balance or, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of weird little things that I think no one knows about that a star wouldn't have to deal with. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever interview a, a star for the pot, the ensemble list? Um, we have a couple of ideas, okay. um, but we're trying to keep it, our fr- like our friends and our peers and yeah i feel like the broadway press while it is lovely <laughs> tends to stay star driven so you know the story you know the same stories about all the same people right. and you don't necessarily know the stories about the day-to-day lives of the people who are up there just as much Absolutely. on that stage the career track of an ensemblist do you do you feel like that's a choice you kind of have to make at some point you know, having your name on the marquee versus you're going to be in Mamma Mia for three years. I think, I think it just depends on the temperament of the person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've we interviewed someone who's been in Mamma Mia in some form or another for eleven years, and we just interviewed uh, this episode that just came out on Monday, Donna Marie Asbury, who's uh-huh. been in Chicago in some form or another since 1997. That's amazing, like, but has been able to support her family, and you know, her husband is also an ensemblist, and he's had a He's had a lot, uh, a lot more shows in the same amount of time, and she did a bunch of shows when she was a kid, and uh-huh. and and before Chicago, but just sort of stayed so that somebody in the family would have stability. And I think there's there's just a difference between in the temperament of people. There are people who are perfectly happy, and it's like working at any company for twelve years. You know, you have your pension, and you have your four hundred one k, and you have, you know, you know, you always have your health insurance, and a lot of those things, you know, it's the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yep. Um, M-A-S-L-O-W. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> Google it. It's really interesting. Um, <laughs> that if these things are taken care of, then it makes the possibility for these other things more real. 
Um, and for a lot of people, it's knowing that I'm going to have a job to go to every day. Mm-hmm. It happens to be a job in a field I love. Or And some people need to have the hustle and need to have the grind and yeah. need to feel like they're doing a lot of different kinds of things. Yeah. And people, depends on who you are. Depends on who you are. Yeah. And you just got back from six months jungle booking. Jungle booking. You booked the book. I booked the book. Jungle booked it. <laughs> <laughs> what, mm-hmm. what, what was that experience like? It was crazy and awesome and totally mind-blowing. I mean, making a new musical is its own crazy specific kind of animal mm-hmm. and this was a conglomeration of a bunch of different sort of crazy specific kind of animals yeah. literally yeah. um because we had Mary Zimmerman who is this v- super avant-garde and really beautiful genius director but who starts mostly you get hired to do the show as can you know you're you're cast as cast mm-hmm. which means that they can tell you to do whatever whatever they want, whatever they need you to do in the show, and then Equity comes in and does the parts determination later. Hmm. Um, So you get hired not knowing what you're going to do in the show because there's no script. She writes as she goes. Oh, that's so weird. And you just sort of create in the room based on the three pages she gave you that day. (coughs) And then you'll, like, run what you have up to that point and then go home so that she can write what you're supposed to do tomorrow. So it was a combination of that building that very specific like building a show from the ground up but also having this much beloved really well known source material to work yeah. from and a to couple have of source materials a couple of source materials and uh and trying to sort of form that into this third entity yeah while disney is giving you notes even though they weren't like i, was, uh, I, I know they like weren't a like producer yeah yeah, but yeah but they they helped right they certainly so. helped and they were certainly there and we got we all got very close um, so it was an interesting mind meld, and we had actors of all different backgrounds. So we had, because we were about half and half Chicago and New York actors. So we oh, had yeah. like New York musical theater actors, and then we had like Chicago company dancers, and Chicago like capital A actors, and mm. Chicago improvisers, and comedians, and um, you know, one Boston local guy. And it was a really interesting, everyone had a very different way of approaching work. So finding a language that we could all speak yeah, yeah, while finding a literal language that we could all speak and trying to stay when we were in doing things that were Indian as authentically Indian as possible and as authentically musical theater as possible without trying to get hokey. Like it was right, a like lot finding of, a marriage. We were trying to find a marriage. Um, the audiences really liked it. Yeah, I hear I, a lot I, of really fun stuff things. to do in the show. I saw a lot of stunning photos. A lot of really pretty pictures of Andre de Shields just like living his life in orange. It's true. <laughs> I'm obsessed with him. Every day with him is a masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally true. And you were seven feet tall. I was seven feet tall. How how often like, did they put you on those stilts? Like during rehearsal processes? Um for a couple they had to put me on one set of stilts to build the muslin okay. <laughs> of my costume. And then we discovered that the kind of stilts that they bought didn't work at all for what I was going to have to do in the show. So we went through a couple of different kinds of stilts. Who knew? Until we found a pair that I could actually like straighten my legs in and walk around in. And I was like, I just need a hallway to mm-hmm. fail in for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just like throw me in the hall so I have something to grab onto and just yeah, leave yeah. me to it for a while. And they did. And it worked out. <laughs> Do you know what's happening next with the piece or just mm, We don't know. Who wants to produce the jungle book? <laughs> 
please do it. Please do it. It's really pretty. <laughs> it's so pretty. I feel like, and I'm, I'm including myself here, that like musical theater kids go into musical theater worlds to become big Broadway stars. And the people that you've interviewed are like, they're across the boards, all so lovely. And they all seem really generous and kind. And there's a lot of love in what they do. And so my question is, what is an ensemblist ego? I mean, everybody needs to have some kind of an ego in order to try and get like, who you are as a person um, and a healthy sense of self and what and to know that you're coming to the table of a show with something to offer. Um, I think that's where it is, is I know that what I my specific skill set is going to serve this piece in some way. And that I can make that happen just by being myself and by being open to what the work requires rather than, I will do the play now and we will adjust the play around me. (laughs) They seem to serve the piece more than the piece. And and both. Especially, well, if it's a new show, then, then the really cool thing with a new show is that you get to watch the piece being built to these specific people's strengths, oh, which so is cool. which is really a beautiful thing. It's like, you know that this is your good leg, so let's do this on this leg and make you... Because without that, then everything is a little thin. How many of your guests do you know personally? Or do, do you, seek, or do you them. seek them out? Yeah, Most of them. There are some people that we've contacted blind because we know that they're going to be the one to be able to answer these questions or mm-hmm. one of us will know them but not the other. So subject comes first, guest second. Subject comes, we have, yeah, the list of, we have separate lists. We have a, a giant list of like episode ideas and then in those episode ideas we spitball people who we think would be able to answer those questions really well. And then we have another list of people we really love and just want to have on. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll find somewhere to put them but like... It's a remind. It's like a reminder list for us. Yeah, but most of the guests you know. Most of the guests we know. The world is very small, and if we don't know them, someone does. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also highlight new music in every episode, um, like incidental music, oh, like yeah. in between the segments, um, which I dig. Where did that idea come from? And um, <clears throat> from the other podcasts that we listen to, from. <laughs> I mean, from the way that This American Life functions in, in its interstitial music between acts and mm-hmm. between things. And we decided to just do, like, one song across the thing because we're not doing an hour of different subjects. We're yeah, doing yeah. 20 minutes of one subject, really. So, um, And we specifically didn't want to use musical theater songs because we wanted it to be... Uh, more open to a wider range of kinds of people who would listen to it. Yeah. That... I feel like people, once they hear show tunes, if they're lay people, will oftentimes get very like, this is not my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. And if we sort of remove that obstacle, then then maybe they'll be more interested in how that breaks down and maybe more likely to buy a ticket to a show because they've heard about something. Oh, that's really cool. That's that's our help. (laughs) Well, where do you, how do you find these songs? Because like most of them I've never heard before and I really dig them. Um, the nice thing about Mo having a day job is that he can have like Spotify going all the time. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, I I make it a point to not listen to 
just one kind of music all the time. That's smart. Because I feel like narrowing yourself, narrowing yourself in that capacity doesn't, it gives you fewer influences to draw from. Agreed. So, and also my fiance is like an upset, like he listens to more music than anyone I know. And my uncle, my uncle Todd is also like, he knows every, every album that comes out, every song that comes out. So it's, it's always around me, Mm -hmm. like trying to find new music. That's really cool. And then you plug the song and you plug the artist. Yes. All that stuff. I think because that's we paid for the ASCAP license. <gasps> wow, I was going to ask you about that. Very important to me. I was uh, curious. My father's an ASCAP composer, and they have ASCAP has this really specific program where you can, for use for this kind of usage for internet usage, mm-hmm. you can buy, buy a specific license for a year and use whatever's in the catalog. That's really cool. So we just make sure that it's an ASCAP registered song, and then we can use it. I really respect that. Thanks. That's really, that's, that's wonderful. Gotta pay your people. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, speaking of of music, you also <laughs> have a theme song. Yes, by the Skivvies. By the Skivvies, who've been on my show. Yay! Um, so how, how did that collaboration come to How be? are you going to put the yay thing yes. after the Skivvies? Yes. yes. <laughs> that's what I listen. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> um... I went to college with Nick Searley. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And um, Lauren and I have oh, have crossed paths like nine million times because she's mm-hmm. everywhere all the time. Yes, she is. And they both are everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. And when we were trying to think of people, they were the first people that popped into, into our heads. Yeah. We thought that they were a sort of perfect mix of what we were looking for because yeah. they have musical theater backgrounds and that's what they do with their lives, but they also have this whole other pop music side to them and yeah. they're adorable and quirky and really great musicians and they did it for and us. they did it. It's so cute. And they're super nice. I like it. They're very nice. We once did, it was so crazy, Mo and I did like a Skype chat <laughs> with a bunch of high school, with, with a high school drama class whose teacher was using our show as, like, a teaching tool. That's awesome! And it blew our minds, and we did this Skype, like, talk back with them, and the first thing, like, he turned on the Skype, and there were, like, 50 high school students singing our theme song back at us. Oh, my God, I would weep. And I I did. There there was water coming out of my face. (laughs) (laughs) All the right places. All the right places. (laughs) Oh, my God, it was mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing. Oh, my God. To feel like... We did a thing. You're doing a thing right now. And those people, they knew about it. Yeah. Oh my so god, if there if if podcasts existed, you know, I'm going to age myself, but you know, obviously podcasts didn't exist when I was in high school Me or either. I mean, like, there was nothing by the time I got wind of a show, it like the Broadway cast recording had already been released like really far into what I now know is a really lengthy process. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Mo and I also sort of <coughs> sit and think like what would high school us want to know about yeah (laughs) and try to give that because the access is so different oh yeah and the accessibility of people to Mm -hmm. be able to just talk to people on twitter or talk to people like you can the accessibility of um sort of a person-to-person relationship in that way is so different and yeah we just sit there and sort of go okay now if we had what are the questions that we had that's the best way to do it, I, I think. And I'm just asking you questions I want to know answers to. Yeah. Hopefully someone else listens. Hopefully someone else wants to know those things, too. But, oh, my God. High school, f- 50 kids singing Could your you theme imagine? song? It was incredible. That is amazing. Did, did you tell the Skibbies? 
We did. Oh, yeah. We, I think we tweeted. I think Mo has a video of his, on his Instagram. Like, he pulled his phone out so quickly to show it. That is amazing. So it's somewhere on his Instagram. I think he's at Mo underscore Brady. That's usually what he is on things. <laughs> How much of your episode's content are you learning for the first time as you are developing the episode? Mm, I think we have a general idea of what people are going to say. Yeah. Um, but we'll always find out weird little things because no, no two experiences, even if they are about the same thing, mm-hmm. are going to be the same. Yeah. Um, like in the dance captain's episode, when the difference between being an onstage dance captain and um, a swing dance captain. So like Ryan Steele talks about like keeping a post-it pad in his costume pocket mm-hmm. and like trying to sketch formations while he's in them with his while his like his co-dance captain is like in the in the house with stage right on the iPad just making his notes or um like on this cast album one that sometimes all of the names that you know how you like would memorize everyone's name on a cast album mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. those people are not on the album what if you listen to the cast albums it, this cast albums one that we just put out um Jen Cody is not on the Urinetown cast album because it was the off-Broadway recording and she joined the show later. Right. But Eddie Corbett is listed <laughs> in the opening night because it's anybody who's listed in the opening night credits has to be listed on the cast album and they had already done the cast album and he joined the show opening night. So, like, he's not on the album but he's on... He's in the credits. So you you have a pretty good idea of the content of every episode. Well, yeah, we have a... We make sure that we write a list of questions yeah. beforehand and we send them to our guests so that they have time to prepare. And then well, that's we'll nice go off if we find if we they're going in a really interesting direction or if they're going a place that we didn't know yeah. about. Or But we try to keep – we try to ask everyone the same set of questions mm-hmm. so that we, it makes our narration, like the writing of narration, a little bit easier. How much raw audio footage do you – um, a crew per episode. We allot about 45 minutes for each guest. Okay. Um, That's a lot. So that plus another, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes of of narration and us screwing up and <laughs> I don't having know anything to start about over. And <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly me just, like, not being able to say words. <laughs> um, excuse me. Um, so, like, th- about three hours, three and change hours of raw audio. That's a lot of content. Two and change hours of how, raw audio. How long does it take you to mix an episode? Um, <coughs> it takes about three passes through. Now that we have an intern, she cuts down all the raw audio. She cuts out all of us talking. She just gives us, um, Mo does most of the actual mixing of the mm-hmm. episodes. Um, she gives us the raw answers to the questions, and then he does magic on them and then based on that we write the narration and put them into what we call a structure document of how the script of the episode should go hmm. and it's sort of that's how it sort of evolved and then we make everything's done in google drive and we just make notes back and forth to each other in different color highlighting <laughs> i love it and then so it takes so fancy like now now it's about three passes through an episode before it's an episode, but it used to be six or seven. And yeah, now yeah, yeah. He's gotten it down. You're getting, to, you're getting it into the groove. A lot of it's just about audio levels. 
Everything's about audio levels. No, I know. I t- tell me. Uh, trust me, I know. <laughs> What's been your favorite episode or guest so far? I think, well, my f- our favorite guest, our favorite interview that we did was Harvey Evans. Yeah. For the Gypsy Robe episode, because we went, we went over to his house, and it was all decorated for Christmas, and we literally, like children, sat on the floor in his living room with just shiny, shiny eyes, <laughs> and his apartment is, has these huge high ceilings, and they were all decorated for Christmas, but like floor to ceiling, just signed posters, and it's like a living museum of oh. Broadway. <laughs> and we just sat there like tell us all the things about all the things please and thank you but did you know him before i had worked with him um <coughs> i did a gypsy of the year number that he did a cameo in okay but otherwise no <laughs> that's crazy and then you went to his house and then, we, and then he had us over and he gave us wine and he was really nice <gasps> to us that's amazing. He's just a legend. H- has there been a tricky episode or? Um, are tricky? I think are they're all tricky because anytime you're dealing with scheduling multiple people, it's insane. It's I'm, insane. I I get nervous enough just finding an accompanist uh-huh. and getting my guests in you know how it the goes. space and yeah, <laughs> just like dealing with three people. I can't imagine. So that's every. It's like the start, of, we hit a point in every episode where we're like, is this going to make any sense? What is this? Have we, have we made a terrible mistake? And then it magically comes together. It yeah. always magically comes together. Mm-hmm. How many more episodes do you have and then you're going to take a break? Or what's um, what's the trajectory for the ensemblist? We're not sure. We just want to keep answer. going. Great. We have, we, I think we have a break scheduled because we're doing a live show in June. What? At Birdland. You heard it here first, kids. Oh, my God. They're totally going to hear it here first. You totally did. That's amazing. Um, so we're, I think we're going to um, take a break while we're putting that together. Yeah. Makes sense. That's so much fun. Yeah. So you're going to be singing? There's going to be singing. There will be shenanigans and singing. And we don't even know. Like, we're just going to, like, host this thing. I love it. And maybe we'll sing, and maybe we won't, and we don't know. Well, you should definitely sing. We should. I would like that. We should sing something really campy, though. I agree. Yeah. (laughs) You should make someone write it for you. Oh, do you want to write us a campy duet? I would be (laughs) awesome. You also heard it here first. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm writing them a campy duet. (gasps) You know. P.S. Mo. Joel's writing us a campy duet. (laughs) He's in Australia right now. Hi, Mo. So you're going to have the Ensemblist concert. We're having the Ensemblist concert in, in June, June. Birdland. At Birdland. Um, you just did a reading. Yes, I just right did the now. reading of uh, the musical about Keith Haring's life called Radiant Baby. Um, and that was really cool, starring Andrew Keenan Bolger and Robin DeJesus and Kelvin Moonlow and me. And Those are all great people. Really, really awesome folks um and this killer score by deborah barsha and Stuart mm-hmm. ross wrote the book and the lyrics and we're doing a concert at joe's pub on monday the 24th oh my gosh the so, same day this episode comes out same day this episode comes out you so should go get tickets go get tickets it's gonna to be the amazing Radio Baby show i have i have a patter song <laughs> <laughs> i play keith herring's assistant amazing. um yeah 
I'm such a fan of you. I'm Just such a fan of you, though. What? No. Yes. But you're, I love you as a person. I love you as a performer. I love... I just... I love everything about you. We're making hearts you, at each other. I was going to say, they, you they can't, can't see this, but we're making hearts. There's lots of love. There's so There's much love. There's a lot love. of love in this room. Um, speaking of love, she was lovely today. Miss Nika sang a song for me. Um, so we're setting up the song now. Oh. Oh, yes. So uh, it's from a... Uh, a new piece. Uh, it's a, a speculative opening for a new piece that um, I can't talk too much about. Um, but what I can say, just to kind of give us some context, is um, she uh, Nika plays this um, newly single mother of two little girls, and uh, it takes place in New York. And she has made a promise that she would take them to Eminem World and Times Square. And um, this song begins uh, that story. And that's all I can say. Accompanied by the magnificent Sam Scholl. Um, he was really great and very yes. kind of him to come in and... Super. You know, he's so nice. He's, he's very talented. He really is. <laughs> Remember, if you like the song, and why wouldn't you, it's available for free download on my SoundCloud page until the next episode. And if you'd like to request sheet music, you may write me at joelbnew at gmail.com for a free PDF. Be sure to follow me on all things social media, and you may find those links and so much more on joelbnew.com. And while you're there, feel free to click on the donate link on the podcast page. Any and all contributions go toward production costs and are supremely appreciated. Uh, visit theensemblist.com. Visit nikagraflenzaroni.com. And there are little hyphens in... There are little hyphens, but um, it's Nika, N-I-K-K-A, dash graph, dash Lanzaroni, dot com. Um, But I I have both domains, and they point to each other, so it doesn't matter. No way. Yeah. It's good to know. (laughs) Good to know. Um, So so go to those websites. They're amazing. Uh, Subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast and The Ensemblist. Please. Please. And tell your friends all about us. Uh, special thanks today to Peyton Royal at Website Lines, who does my website. Uh, Stephanie Layton at Red Scandal Graphics, who did my podcast logo. Uh, today's accompanist, Sam Scholl. Um, Colleen and Michael at True Voice Studios NYC. And that's truevoicestudiosnyc.com. True without the E. 212-245-2441. Perfect for voice lessons, group classes, coachings, recording, and singer showcases. And podcasts. Um, last but not least, Nika Graf Lanzaroni, thank you so much for doing my show. Thank you so much for having me, don't be new. I'm, so, I'm just, I'm obsessed. I'm ah, obsessed. You're so lovely. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> From True Voice Studios at Columbus Circle, this is Joel B. New. And Nika Graf Lanzaroni. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new. Bye. spinach and mashed potatoes you'll get a treat once you're done with your science project if you are sweet and you share with your little sister or just keep both your shoes from untying i made a vow well a promise that i would do this thing do it now once the spring started springing and it's spring spring somehow so i'll stop putting on the brakes with all of my qualifying take a breath of fresh air 
We're going to Times Square to M&M World, where chocolate candies way overpriced. The sugar, Jesus Christ, at M&M World. I made this promise sometime late last year to brave this tourist trap frontier. So M&M World, here we come. Okay, come on, quick, before I can change my mind and make pro and con lists that might put you into comas. What if it's gone due to new health code violations? I'm just saying with any real luck here, let's look both ways, even though there's a sign that's saying go. There are days when the taxis don't care if there are people or strays, so my heart's in my throat and it's forever and always stuck there. Taking breaths does the trick, so does snacking till we're sick. At M&M World Don't let yourselves get too far ahead I'd rather be in bed Than M&M World Instead we're working on 